archive shows and new shows coming to you every Tuesday, we bring you illuminating people from around the globe. Visit our Discovery Store for their services and books and enjoy the show. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening everybody. Welcome back to another edition of For the Love of Music. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Gerald Albright. You may have heard of him. He's been around for a very long time. He plays the sax that just weaves its way into your soul. Your body starts to move and believe me, you start to groove. He's had a very long journey here. We have some awesome people that he's played with along the line. And he's very, very worldly, deserved of uh, Grammy nominated quite a number of times. But what is it that kind of gives him that push that where does he find his music? How does he get into that groove? What everyday life helps him actually find that that groove and how to really step into it, uh, that rhyme, and really bring that music to us that really hits deep down within our souls and our hearts and just kind of fills that wonderful gap that very often is missing in our lives. There's always a journey behind it. There's always something that uh, is a catalyst to, our, to where we're going. So let's find out Gerald's journey. What makes him tick? What makes the music come out of him? And what music actually does mean to him? Gerald, welcome to the show. Hi, Sarah. It's good to be here. Thank you. So have you been playing all your life? Pretty much uh, since I was about eight years old. I started out on piano and wasn't really crazy about that. I, I was one of those uh, young boys in the family where the parents said uh, that they thought that I should take piano lessons um, because that seemed, seemed to be the template for that time period. Most, most kids had to learn piano or some instrument. So we had an old upright piano in our house and uh, they thought that I would enjoy it. Um, I did not. <laughs> uh, I was a, a very active kid. I liked sports, and I would be practicing on my piano and looking out the window at the other kids in the neighborhood playing football and baseball, and that's what I wanted to do. So I really wasn't that uh, interested in it at the time. So uh, several months after that, uh, out of frustration, my private teacher put me on the saxophone, and at a, a young age where, you know, you can blow through this thing, you can make a sound uh, through, you know, pushing air through this piece of brass, and you can press the the, the gold keys, and, and it, it was like a toy to me, so it was more interesting to me versus piano, and I was really inclined to play it at the time, and, and here we are, uh, my goodness, five decades later, I'm still playing the same instrument. Mm-hmm. But when something calls to you, right, you know, there's a connection that's found, isn't it? Kind of a bond. Absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, really enjoy it. I, I, even after four or five decades of being involved in music and being involved in playing the saxophone, I still feel like I'm just getting started. I, I feel like there's so much music to compose, so much music to perform, uh, so much in the way of the instrument itself to learn. Uh, it's an infinite uh, effort. And even though I'm a professional musician, I'm, I'm still a student. I'm always learning. I, I think that's actually what makes a professional a professional, is the fact that you're always willing to learn and evolve and explore and see what else is out there. And in the moment that you kind of become complacent or feel you've, you've learned everything, it's, it's time to move on, isn't it? It truly is. It truly is. So, yes, I'm still excited about this crazy industry that we're in. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a crazy industry. You know, it is not an easy industry to be in. There certainly isn't any, you know, security. Um, you're not sure what's going on. Even when you've been around for a long time, it's always kind of the next gig, isn't it? So you really do need to have a certain kind of temperament in order to survive in this industry, don't you? Yes, uh, you have to have a good temperament, uh, you have to have patience, and over and above all those, uh, you have to have faith. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a effort of faith, um, and, you know, if, if you're faithful enough, things will fall into place, and I'm, I'm, uh, I have a testimony, I'm, I'm one of those who has seen that chapter happen, 
And I'm, I'm very honored to be in the position that I'm in as a recording artist, especially after all these years. Mm-hmm. And uh, people, people are still loving the music. I, you know, I think it's rather like a good wine, you know, or a good brandy. It, it, it matures over the years, becomes more robust, has more depth to it. And, you know, I think a musician that's been around for a long time, it just goes deeper, you know, it goes beyond the roots. Um, and I think that's you know why I, I love the music that speaks to my soul. It's lovely to have music to speak to the heart. We always want to get the heart engaged. But when the music touches the soul, it kind of penetrates every single morphous of your body, you, you know, every part of your being. I totally agree, Sarah. And it, it's interesting, even with instrumental music, where the listening ear can't rely on lyrics or a special phrase, to, to kind of lean on, um, you know, it's something about instrumental music that still has that uh, art of really getting to the heart and soul of people and making them feel better. And um, for musicians who do what I do for a living, uh, we are then um, deemed to have a very high responsibility to bring the best music possible that we can uh, because we are touching people in a positive way uh, and in a global way. Mm-hmm. Uh, music transcends all languages, all race, creeds, colors. It's, it brings people together uh, in positive times and negative times. So uh, we have quite a, a responsibility, and I'm glad to have an allegiance to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's um, a storyteller, isn't it? As you said, you don't need the words. Um, you pay that music. And, and very often, you know, there's that piece of music that you're listening to, and you find out, in its story, you you see your own story, and I think that music is a wonderful, you know, platform in order for your own story to come to, into picture. Absolutely, and I think the hardest thing for a recording artist to do, I mean, if he's really into being the full-fledged recording artist that he he or she should be, is is being transparent in the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes when I play performances, uh, I get to a point to where it's kind of the equivalent of being in church when someone gets the spirit mm-hmm. and running up and down the aisles because they're in such overwhelming joy of, um, you know, the, 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 the time period that they're in where they're celebrating the spirit, they're celebrating God and the whole thing. Well, the same thing can happen on stage uh, in my performances. I'll get to a point to where I'm so deep in the music and the musicians around me are so deep in the music that we have to, at that split second, uh, say, okay, are we going all the way with this? Are we going to just unfold here and just be transparent to this audience? Or are we going to hold back and not give them that extra euphoria? You know, And um, there is really... Um, there's really a, an ultimate satisfaction, especially you know, in my interpretation of what I do, it's uh, the ultimate satisfaction in being able to go that extra mile and really show the genuine, pure Gerald on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it moves. I'm, I'm I'm very very happy that it still moves people that way, and that's the greatest compliment for me. Well, you know, when you've got an audience, you've got their energy. And the more that you invite their energy to kind of just pour out of them, there is a connection. It just raises that vibration, doesn't it? And it lifts everything up. And as you said, you can't stop then. You're in that etheric moment. You've brought everybody to that vibrational climax. And it's, it's something that just feeds everybody in such a different level, but leaves everybody so utterly satisfied. Yes, and, and that's why we're there. Um, mm-hmm. We never know as artists who we're playing for. Um, sometimes I get asked, well, do you prefer playing for smaller crowds or the big, the big crowds in the big stadiums and, and larger venues? And um, I'm pretty much across the board. I mean, my mission is to uh, get to the people with my music and those people who have heavy hearts or heavy weights on their shoulders, when they come into the venue and they need that particular song that makes them feel good, uh, it's my responsibility to deliver it to them in a fashion where uh, they are feeling better. And that can happen in a small venue, even if I satisfy one person out of 100 people in a small venue, I've done my job, or in the, even in a larger situation, 
um, we just we just try to make people in general feel better. That's mm-hmm. that's our mission for our lives, you know. And uh, I'm honored to be there. The thing about the saxophone, you know, it's it's it really is kind of the the, the soul of the music, isn't it? It takes you into places that other instruments don't. Um, you know, you you didn't have the connection to piano because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't your groove, it wasn't your connection. But the, when you listen to a sax, you can listen to a sax on its own. And then, of course, when it's accompanied with other music, I mean, it it really is that story leader in a lot of ways, isn't it? I totally agree, Sarah. And I'm glad I, I can't say I'm glad I picked the saxophone. I'm glad that my private teacher at the time put the saxophone in my hand mm-hmm. at the age of nine years old. I, I owe that uh, turning point in my life to him, uh, George Turpo, God rest his soul. But uh, it's been deemed that the saxophone voice is the closest to the human voice in, in terms of the inflections and the expressive nature that it, it can provide. And um, I just, I love a good saxophone. I mean, I, I have, uh, there's some guys in the industry that when I hear them play, you know, you can tell they've lived what they're mm-hmm. playing. It, it wasn't a textbook thing, or they just learned the saxophone out of a music book. You're, you're hearing their story, yeah. their history, and um, it's so important, so very important. So I'm glad to be playing the saxophone these days. But, you know, one could also call it the saxophone, because it definitely <laughs> <laughs> can most certainly lead the music down that path as well. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I've, I've gotten several compliments over the years in, under, under that heading, and uh, uh, it tends to move people in that way, uh, especially the ladies, you know. Mm-hmm, and, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's nice that we can touch people in that way, too, because that's a facet of our lives that has to be nurtured as well, the, the sexual side of us. Yes. And uh, if, if, you know, People can come into a venue and be fulfilled in that way as way as well as a spiritual way or whatever. Um, then we've done our job even more. Exactly. Well, you know, I'm a '70s chick. That was my era and decade for music. And like, my God, we had some music, you know, back then. Oh. You know, the Earth, Wind and Fire, Blood, Sweat and Tears, and you know, and a few others. And I always felt that the music then had such amazing storytelling, but depth and was almost orchestra but not traditional orchestra i mean i just felt maybe i'm just you know particularly being a sem everybody has their decade which is they're better than everybody else's isn't it but i think there was something about the 70s music 70s music that was a turning point um in the musical industry i totally agree with that um and i too am a 70s guy uh grew up with the same music you grew up with uh i think back in those days uh, we had more innovators in the music, mm-hmm. you know, your, your Mari, your Stevie Wonders, the Isley Brothers, you know, the whole Motown sound, the yeah. Philly International sound. Um, they were innovating, you know, they were really cornering the market with a particular sound. Um, I don't hear as many innovators uh, these days. I, I hear, and, and I'm speaking generally, I mean, there there are some geniuses in the music business these days, but... Uh, when you talk about what's on the radio these days, uh, it seems like it's more in a cookie-cutter type of fashion. It seems like one artist is trying to cha- uh, chase the other. With you know, If, if a, one artist has a hit record with a particular sound or whatever, uh, then there's another artist that's trying to duplicate that and just put just a, a minimal twist on it so that he's not totally copying what that artist mm-hmm. with the hit did. And, um, but they didn't have to worry about that back in the days uh, of, of the seventies, you know, because everybody was just trying to um, to deliver what they lived. I mean, you know, when you when you listen to songs of the Key of Life uh, by Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. uh, that is that is raw Stevie right there. I mean, you can you can feel where he's coming from, you know, as opposed to nowadays, uh, a lot of producers are relying on tricks and yeah and and uh, and, and computers and, and things that this, you know, it's good sounding music, but in terms of the heart and soul of it, or if you question whether that particular song is going to be uh, played a lot and loved in, let's say, 2025, I mean, that, that song may never be heard again. Right. It may just be a phase. 
Well, you know, it's it's a lot like, you know, when I'm interviewing somebody, I look at their site and then I pre-interview people generally. And, you know, very often that there isn't a cohesiveness there. You know, somebody's done their site and they've put it up because that's the trend of the way it's meant to look. And there's no representation of them. You have that with this cookie cutter music. And like when you get these people right. singing live, they don't sound the same. There, there's a disconnect exactly. because it's been so altered. It's like, well, who are you? <laughs> exactly. You, and, and, you know, they have to hide behind what the producer did on their behalf yeah. versus what they can do on stage with their natural ability. And I think that's a weakness. I think that's a, a detriment to their career. You know? yeah. you, whatever you, you know, you listen to Frankie Beverly and May's records and, and you listen to them live and you close your eyes and you really can't tell what the record is or what's live. I mean, that is, it's raw Frankie Beverly and Mays. I mean, you're going to get the same quality, the same musicianship uh, in both scenarios. And, and I just love that. Yeah. You know, like, you know, the 70s, you know, be funky, get in the groove, you know, uh, those words had right. meaning to them, wasn't it? You know, um, being funky, you know, didn't mean that you stank. Absolutely. Folks. You Absolutely. know, it meant that you got down, you know, and it was represented in the way yeah. you danced and in the way you expressed yourself. And I also felt that it helped people open up to a dialogue with each other. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I really think uh, musically it brought people together and also, you know, it sent messages be it uh, political messages mm-hmm. or uh, messages of positivity or just um, a message of just an, a, like awakening people to a particular subject or whatever. Um, it was a multifaceted effort back in the 70s. You know, I mean, it, you know, you listen to old Earth, Wind & Fire stuff and mm-hmm. that's the way of the world. Stuff like that. It's just, you can listen to it now and it's so they, they just recorded it last week yeah. i mean it's still fresh it's still modern it's, it's timeless yes it's timeless you know yeah and, and you know like you know like mm-hmm. marvin gay what's going on i mean this this is that you know you've got music that went on in the late 60s and 70s that you can pluck right out and play now and it's speaking to the to the environment right now because it's it is right music is the poetry of our times isn't it and very often that poetry transcends time yes Absolutely. And I think in the upcoming uh, years here, we're going to need music more than ever <laughs> to, to help to bring us together and, and, and make us one. Uh, music tends to do that. I've, I've, uh, I've had a lot of uh, people who fought on the front line in, in Vietnam and whatever other military efforts say that, you know, they had a gun in their right hand and they had a Walkman with headphones in their left with my music to help to keep them sane through what they were going through on a daily basis. And, you know, when you're writing the music in your little four walls, you you really don't the uh, impact. realize mm-hmm. that to that magnitude that you're, you're actually helping people to that level and to that degree to get through a particular, uh, uh, well, let's, let's just say trauma in their lives. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's huge. That's huge. I so, mean, that's why, you know, people uh, have a song, right? They, they have music that speaks to them. You know, sometimes you listen to it and it takes you back to a particular time where you have some good memories. You know, other times, you know, it got you through some tough times. But you could right. have, you know, six people listening to exactly the same thing and each one of them is going to speak to a, a different connection to it. But that's the beauty of it. You know, especially if we start conversing with each other about what it has actually made us feel. Right. Absolutely. We're we're all different, but we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Aren't we? We've all got the same needs. We're all yeah. looking for the same thing. It just we may just, yeah. you know, some people saxophone it, some people piano it. You know, we're just using a different instrument, right? So that's the joy of it. Um, I can imagine that you would love jamming a lot. Just you know, meeting up with a bunch of musicians and just playing and seeing where it goes. Oh, absolutely! And and even in a rehearsed format, uh, Sarah, you know, where I do my shows, there there are certain points of the show where uh, me and the guys will look at one another and go, "Okay, let's take it to another gear right here. Let's let's do something different than we did last night." And somebody will start an idea, and then we'll start to. Uh, make it make this this spontaneous evolution of a new groove 
that didn't even happen the previous night. Mm-hmm. And now we're in jam mode, and we don't know where it's going to go. We don't know how the song's going to end. But uh, during the process, we just keep the eye contact going and the cohesive nature within the professionalism of the musicians. And 99.9% of the time, it, it works out perfectly. So that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I think that's kind of one of my favorite experiences. I was in Rome and uh, I was taken to this club. It was literally kind of knock on the door. Joe sent me. And it was, you know, kind of the after performance club. And you just he just said, just sit here and wait. And then one by one, musicians came in. They just set up. Some of them knew each other. Some of them didn't. They just start playing. Then somebody else would come in and start playing yeah. another instrument. And there we are having two hours of a performance. And this is them unwinding. And but it it you know it magical totally magical can't be repeated. They couldn't get up and go and do that as a performance again. They were just in that moment, in that now, and it was heavenly. That's a beautiful place to be. That is a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, sometimes we walk away from it saying, "Man, I wish we had the tape recorder on." Yeah. Because you know that could be another song, another series of songs that we could have written. But at that point, it's gone, you know, and um, uh, and sometimes but, it's just there know, to inspire the, you in the moment, right? It's not for anybody else. It's for you. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes we do play for ourselves and most of the times we play for the audience. But sometimes we'll take the song and go, let's let's just do this for ourselves. And it, and it may be a cerebral song where, you know, the, the, the listening audience may or may not get it. You know, we might take it to, I don't know, straight ahead jazz or something really avant-garde, but it's for us, that that particular moment is for us uh, in a semi-selfish type of way, you know. And you need that. You know, you need that. Yeah, you do. You're spending your emotion and your expression, and and, uh, it's your release. Otherwise, you kind of get so caught up in in your programming that, you know, you can be a detriment to your creativity if you don't do that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it's called pushing the envelope, mm-hmm. you know, just doing something out of the ordinary that uh, you normally wouldn't do. And that's what makes you a better musician. And uh, it really sharpens your ability to relate to other musicians on a really high level. And that's a great place to be when you can do that. Now, you have played with some awesome people uh, over your long career. Um, how about, come on, drop a few names and give us a few experiences with them. Well, yeah, I've been blessed that way. And, um, I mean, it started out in the early years of doing a lot of recording sessions with uh, people in the Los Angeles area where I'm originally from. Uh, folks like uh, uh, Whitney Houston and Les McCann, um, uh, Herbie Hancock, uh, Quincy Jones. Um, a lot of the Motown artists, The Temptations, Rick James, um, Smokey Robinson, and uh, um, and then you know I've been on the road with uh, Whitney Houston once again, uh, Phil Collins, um, Anita Baker, uh, which was a, a kind of a pivotal moment for me in my career because I was actually hired as a bass guitarist in her group. Uh, back with you know when she had her most popular project Rapture, back in the uh, the early to mid '80s, and so I toured two years with her as a bassist, and then incorporated the saxophone within the show at the same time. So I was playing both instruments with her, uh, and that kind of um, uh, heightened my my notoriety. People you know didn't know I played bass guitar at that time, so I started getting called for a lot of bass recordings and a lot of uh, live shows with different people. Um, so it's been a nice ride, Sarah. I've been very blessed. Uh, I continue to work with wonderful people. Uh, I'm getting ready to do a, a, a second uh, chapter of touring with the, the great Jonathan Butler, who is uh, quite a worldly um, vocalist, guitarist, South African musician, and a dear friend. So uh, I, I'm just enjoying the ride still uh, in my 50s. And, and uh, as we said earlier, uh, this is one of those vocations of faith. You never know mm-hmm. what the next chapter is going to be. Just kind of look forward to it. And, uh, but I've been very lucky in that sense. Have you played with Stevie Wonder? 
I have. I have played with Stevie uh, in in a live setting, um, and it's it's interesting. Stevie and I have been keeping in touch here uh, a lot more often um, in the past couple of years. I he came to Denver where I live and and played at the Pepsi Center, which is a big stadium, uh, what well, big arena downtown Denver, and asked me to sit in and play with him and I can't tell you what a kid in the candy store was (laughs) that night I I was just so elated and um, uh, you know and and he he had some nice things to say during the course of the show and introduced me on stage and and uh, you know it's just wonderful to to know him to be able to share music with him um, you know just to be with the genius himself yeah yeah, I mean, you know, you know, talk about natural born. I mean, he certainly is, and and I think that's it with the musician. I mean, people can learn how to play an instrument, but I think that music has to be in you, um, and it's just looking for its instrument, whether it be voice or an instrument, to come out. Um, and you, you know, when it, you know, when you find it, you just have to set it free. Absolutely, and and you speak of Stevie Wonder, and isn't it interesting that as a blind man. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more than a lot of us with 2020 vision uh, through his music and yeah. otherwise he's a very very astute gentleman and uh, just you know um, globally uh, an ambassador of, of the people and the music at the same time he's, he's really a, a game changer I he's, love he's just love isn't he he just represents love <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, he's one of those guys that when you're around him, you just feel better. He doesn't have to really say anything or mm-hmm. do anything or crack a joke. It's just the fact that you're around Stevie and you just feel better. It's just kind of like uh, brotherly nourishment for me, you yeah. know, just to be in his presence, you know. Now, from one extreme to the other, yeah, it looks like you've played with um, um, President Clinton. Yes. Um Another another guy who is is just the ultimate people's person. He makes you feel important when you talk to him, um, and he when you talk to him, uh, you forget he's the leader of the free world. He's just Bill. Yeah. You know he he just approaches you, and he you know because he's a saxophonist. Uh, uh, there was one time where in Philadelphia. Uh, we were there for one of the summits where they were trying to rebuild the city and all the living presidents were there and they had a big gala event which I was a part of that evening and uh, there was a point of the night where it was myself, Grover Washington Jr. and um, Bill Clinton and we were standing there talking and uh, Bill has a way of doing everything uh, other than what the Secret Service wants him to do. You know, if <laughs> if he's supposed to be stage right at a given moment, uh, Bill will be stage left, you know. <laughs> he'll do something, you know, and he'll get into conversations with people, and then now um, the, the the Secret Service on the lavalier is saying, okay, the president's not ready yet, the president's not ready yet. And so um, me, Grover, and, and the president, President Clinton, we were in this deep conversation about the saxophone and, and um, at a certain point, the Secret Service guy comes over and says, uh, Mr. President, uh, the First Lady would like to leave now. I mean, he just, <laughs> totally, you know, he just forgot about Hillary. You know, yeah. he, the boys talking. You know? Hey, man, the music's and important. Just, <laughs> yeah. And, and it just got to be a thing of, uh, you know, well, I want to talk to these guys. I want to talk music with, with my fellow friends here. And and Grover and I just felt so, so complete you know that i mean you know if you if you can talk to the the leader of the free world for five minutes that's like an hour to us talking to anybody else i mean for him to take the time to really talk to us uh and and just talk shop talk you know it didn't have to be about politics and and just talk about anything just hanging out i mean that is just um a real cool experience kind of a feather yeah 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 and I see yeah. another picture with one of my other favorites, Will Smith. Um, I've always loved him. I loved him as an actor and just as a person. What did you do with him? Well, uh, it was a, a, a horn project that I did for him when I lived in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I believe it was for a movie, and we were doing um, another rendition of one of his 
original songs, and he wanted a, a big horn section sound on it, kind of like an Earth, Wind & Fire horn mm-hmm. section sound. So it was a recording session that we did together, and the picture that you see on the website is us at the studio um, uh, after working for him. And uh, another guy who's just, you know, just a gem of a guy, just very approachable. Um, uh, ironically, a few days ago, the wife and I went to see his current movie, Collateral Beauty, which is a must to see. It's mm-hmm. a great story. And like a Denzel Washington, um, I can't think of any movies that I did not enjoy Will Smith in. Yeah. You know, he's just, you know, he really pays attention to his scripts and the storylines, and he he makes optimum movies, and I just enjoy his craft. Right. And, you know, and that's the thing about craft, you know, is you've got a lot of actors out there that are just, you know, you know act shallow rather like musicians that are just kind of what we call the bubblegum music they're put out there they churn it out and then they're used up and they don't have any longevity and then you get people like will and lanzel that as they get older they get even better you know they kind of get you know deeper and more rooted and and uh, and start seeding you know uh wisdom for other people and you know i think that's that's the beauty of it when you see a great performer whether it be in music or in acting um, that that really shows us what depth and growth can do. Absolutely, and you you can feel the passion in every effort that uh, uh, a Will Smith or a Denzel you know put on camera. Um, me and my wife are just movie buffs. We love going to the movies. Uh, we we watched Magnificent Seven last night with Denzel, and just any character that he uh, portrays, be it. Uh, uh, a, a dirty cop or uh, a cowboy or whatever. I mean, he just, uh, to Malcolm X, I mean, yeah. he just takes it, it just takes it to another level and really lives and breathes that character that he's uh, portraying in the movie. And I, I, I just, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. I'm absolutely fascinated. But, but you do yeah. the same with your music, though. You know, you, you, you could play the chords uh, or, or you can play the chords, you know, uh, and it's, it's, I think, just a question of being that connected, right? Connected to your art. You know, understanding the beautiful levels, allowing yourself to go there. Not dictating, but allowing um, something to transform. Yep. So, you know, when you've done your art for that long, it should be something that should transcend beyond. Uh, well said, uh, Sarah. Well said. And, and, and I think... Uh, the theme behind what you're saying right now is just respecting the music. Yes. You know, really ultimately respecting what it's about, what it is designed to do, and within that effort, being the best musicians and messengers that we can be to deliver that, that melody that the people need to hear and feel. Now, in order to have a long career in this business, not only do you have to be good and clearly flexible, um, but it, there's also um, a mutual respect that needs to be had, right? You know, your own boundaries of people respecting you and what you will and will not do, not compromise your own music, but also the respect of each other in the industry because without that, everything falls apart. That is so true. I mean, music is at its best when you have uh, colleagues uh, that are really cohesive in nature on all levels, both spiritually and uh, uh, respectfully and musically. And um, it's a perfect world at that point. Um, you know, you'd like to think that every situation is going to be that, but, you know, this is an imperfect world. And, and, and in most cases, I would say that um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm around musicians that really respect the music, that respect mm-hmm. me, and, and I respect them, and it's, just, it's a love thing. But every now and then, uh, just with anything else in life, you, you'll uh, meet with some adversity, and then you just have to choose your battles within that and optimize that given situation. Um, you're not compatible uh, with everybody. As they say, yeah. you can't choose your own family, you know. Right. It's, you guys are or you're not, you know. And um, But I have to say that um, and if I were to talk to young musicians, uh, about this this facet of what we do, um, I think a big part of it is keeping uh, 
spirits around you, keeping musical spirits around you and people around you that will celebrate the music and celebrate you within the music. I think that's when the real artistry comes out. Uh, it's kind of like having your, your favorite pair of old, ugly denim jeans. That, you know, they, they don't look that great, but they feel great. And you just enjoy, you know, they may have four or five holes in them, but you just enjoy wearing that particular pair of jeans. Well, it's the same thing with human beings. You know, there's just certain people that you want to be around uh, that just make you feel better, make the music better. And that's really a prerequisite in my groups. Uh, you know, I have three different bands that I use when I tour the United States. And all of these musicians there uh, are people who, of course, are musically proficient, but they have to have a certain spirit and mm -hmm. they have to have a certain worth ethic and uh, a certain respect for me, for the other musicians, for the music. Um, and, you know, as you get older, you, you realize that's a big part of it because now you have a comfort zone. Now you can... You got your boys around. You got your A band. Now it's just about delivering the music, and it's a lot easier when you have guys who are on one accord. Yeah, it's not about one up, you know, outshining the other, is it? You know, I think we're in we're less in a world of competitors of competing with each other and more into collaboration. And when you guys work yeah. in sync with each other, everybody has their moment. You know, it's like the needle on the record. If one person is, you know, trying to outshine everyone else. Um, I'm a big fan of um, singing competitions like The Voice, and uh, yeah. their band is unbelievable. When you look at the diversity of music that they have to learn every week, and they get, and you can tell when they're just backers, and the performer is yeah. out there, and then you can tell when they're with the the singer musicians, and they're a part of it, and it's it's such a a collaboration that it just it just raises up everybody's vibration. It's so cool to see. It really is. And and, and I tell you, um, uh, I was with American Idol for about four years. And um, same type of thing, you know. Um, in TV, that's a whole other side of the music yeah. business that uh, it, it's so different from everything else. Um, uh especially a 180 from what I do as an artist on stage, you know, it's, it's not as much freedom, you know, you, you're learning different styles of music, you have a limited amount of time to rehearse this music, everything is by the clock, everything's mm -hmm. to the second, you know, and um, because of that, you need the best musicians in the city, literally, to, to bring them together to, to op optimize that particular situation, and um, uh, American Idol was just that, you know, we would come in and we wouldn't know what, what style of music we were going to play at that point, but you just had to be ready. And I think all of those chapters of um, practicing your instrument and playing with different people throughout the years leading up to that American Idol moment helped to make you ready for that moment. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, it, it really works out well, and, and it really sharpens your craft when you have to do stuff on the clock. So I, I really appreciate those four years. Actually, it was more than four years with American Idol. It was fun. Right. I mean, and a totally different type of experience, isn't it? I mean, the exciting thing is, is yes, it's probably kind of hard because you can't kind of get into your free expression. You've got to be very tuned in. But also to kind of watch these young people, you know, evolve. You have some that peak, that's it, they can't go any further, and then you see some that kind of come from from the back and it's like all of a sudden they come into themselves they find that groove they get connected and they just let themselves free and it's just so wonderful to see that transformation it really is and it, especially for someone who's been in the business uh as long as i have it's it's nice to see younger musicians who have that same passion in in their eyes that i i had back then and to just really want to soak up all of this knowledge about music and learn and really refine their craft. And in my travels, uh, I'm finding a lot of these musicians now uh, who are really not taking any shortcuts. They're really learning their instruments. They're really trying to get into the networking, uh, promotion and marketing aspect of their career, be it in front or behind the scenes, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's reassuring that 
what we do now as artists is going to live on uh, in generations beyond where we are. So yeah. it, it's a good place to be. And the thing is, like, you know, yes, people can go and see an old movie, but generally when a young person sees an old movie, they've always got something to critique about it. You know, like the quality wasn't so good, the sound wasn't so good, because they're so used to all this high tech today. But there's something about listening right. to old music where it's like you see so... I mean, the greatest compliment is when, you know, there's a remake of a very popular song from 30, 40 years ago, and uh, and it's been done honorably. But, you know, getting people into listening to some of that old music and kind of discovering, you know, their own voice through it. I think it's it's absolutely wonderful to 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 hear to see that. Um and I think it's a good thing for musicians to do. You know, go back and listen yeah. to some of the greats. What made them great? You know, it's not just the fact that they were great players. There's a discipline, there's a commitment, there's a great deal of faith that you have to have in there and you've got to be willing to put in the time. That's very true. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think uh, it's an allegiance that me and other artists should have in, in, in an effort to educate the, the younger set of musicians, you know, turn them on to Cannabar Adderley and, and John Coltrane and Stan Getz and all these guys um, who were the pillars of the music, actually, that we're doing uh, these days. I mean, it's obviously taken on different complexions over the years, but you know, when you really take what jazz is today uh, and put it in its rawest form, it came from, you know, uh, the Miles Davis of the yeah. world, uh, you know, the Cap Hathaways, all, I mean, all these guys, the Duke Ellington, and um, younger musicians need to know that, that past, uh, because that is what has been given to them that they'll be able to carry on for generations to come. And uh, it's very important. That's a very important uh, tool to have to grasp at this stage. Know your roots, right? Know your roots. Yeah. Um, you know, you may bring something completely diverse, but, you know, you everybody's got to know what the root and the foundation is because you can't build the top floor, you know, without everything, all the structure that goes underneath it. And, you know, we, we are in an era where people are wanting everything instantly, you know, fame instantly, money instantly, recognition instantly. And, uh, you know, really, there isn't anybody out there that hasn't had to earn it in their journey of life one step at a time. And, you know, they may get there faster, but the whole point is, is that there aren't any shortcuts. You've still got to go and put in the time. You really do. And uh, I honestly say that I'm still putting in the time after all these years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not the type of vocation that you can let up on uh, because... Music is changing all the time. Uh, circumstances are changing. Economics of music yes. is changing. I mean, I've, in the past uh, year and a half, uh, I've made some very pivotal moves in my career where I've literally taken control of, uh, of my career now. Um, uh, self-managing, I have my own record company. So uh, for the first time in my career, uh, after 18, excuse me, 17 projects, I'm an independent artist because uh, that is what uh, the parameters of economics today has suggested to me, that you know, I leverage my fan base and, uh, and do things where I'm a bit more hands-on in my career and, uh, and trim the fat, as they say. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've, I've, um, this is, this so. is a particularly a new channel for the love of music, and I brought it up because I've interviewed a lot of you know, musicians and artists, and I thought, well, why not have a channel on it? And, uh, you know, kind of diverse music that's been up there, music that stay, speaks to the cause, you know, environmental cause as an educational piece, um, music for people with, you know, that uh, brilliant voices and discover they have disabilities and how they've worked through it and used the music to help them do so. You know, people that use music as, um, you know, atmospheric type music. But the beautiful thing about it is the dedication, the calling, the uh, the love of music that's within them and that no matter what challenges uh, are presented along the way um you know that music is always within them and will always rise up above absolutely absolutely yes um it is a commitment it really mm-hmm. really is a commitment on all levels and uh i'm just glad uh, once again to still be in the game you know <clears throat> there's a lot of musicians who we've heard of that had 
stellar careers only 15, 20 years ago that you don't hear about yeah. anymore yeah. and you know where these people are. Uh, so it is a real blessing to still be uh, in the business and uh, have a sustaining career, uh, especially with a plethora of young musicians who are trying to do the same thing that I've uh, been able to do over the years. You know, we have a lot of saxophonists out there now who are uh, trying to get played on the radio just like me, you know, yeah. so the competition is always uh, at a very high level. And, um, but, you know, I, I think, the the comforting thing for me is uh, I've learned over the years if you if you're just genuine within yourself if you're if you're doing genuine Gerald's music all the time if 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 people really feel like you've taken the time and whatever this chapter this current chapter of music uh, let's say like my current project which is my first independent project which is called G um, uh, I believe when the listener listens to it, they can really hear that I didn't rush it, that I right. really took the time to do, choose the, the songs, choose the musicians, choose the, the engineers, the mix, mixing engineers, the mastering engineers. Uh, I really took time to choose the team uh, that would optimize this particular project. And I'm very, very proud of it, you know. Uh, and uh, it's doing very well as an independent project. And and achieving a lot of the accolades, I was at a major record label. So right. at this point well, in my career, I really don't need a major label. Exactly. And, and the thing is, you know, you, you, you've owned your authenticity, you know, and, and your organicness. And that's, you know, obviously what comes through. And, you know, what would you actually say, for, you know, I interviewed Lynn Finmont. I don't know if you know her. Um, wonderful singer. very well uh, and you know the yeah. new, her new single groovy people which you, you just can't help but groove to that you know nobody could sit still listening to that and um you know and sure. there are the artists that because they're not up in the big limelight making hundreds of millions of dollars you know they're they're the working artists that have worked all their lives but you know always obviously having to get out there and chase that that next gig you know, what would be your words of wisdom to somebody kind of starting out in the music today? Of, because everybody thinks that they, all they need to do is put up a YouTube and they're going to be discovered. Right, right. Well, you know, it, it really starts with the talent. Um, you have to really be honest with yourself. There are some people who want to be artists that are really not qualified to be artists. Mm -hmm. Let's just be honest about it. And... Um, and they will, you know, they just don't have the talent. They may, it may not be their calling, um, but there are some who are destined to be artists. And for those who are destined to be artists, I would say that the business side of the music is just as important as the creative side. And that as you're developing that creative side, just make sure that the, the business side is within close proximity and you have those people within uh, your career that are going to help to get you to the level that you aspire to get to, uh, namely managers or entertainment lawyers or radio promoters, whatever it is, whatever the formula is. Now, what I, what I have to say to the youngsters also is that music has changed in terms of the way we do business in music. Music has changed abruptly. Um, back in my day, when I started in 1987 with my first project, we used to have uh, very, very good budgets for records. Um, you know, the, the budget would reflect being able to pay for, you know, a really good project to be done properly in the studio. And also, uh, a musician would be able to live off of the remaining amount of that budget, you know, so that while he's donating all of his time to preparing that record and completing it, he can still pay his bills, mm -hmm. you know. Now, it, especially in the jazz genre, uh, record companies in general, there may be some exceptions, but record companies in general are uh, offering literally insulting amounts of money to get a record done. And, and then they want to own all of your licensing. They want to own all of your masters and things like that. So this is something uh, where a youngster, a young musician going into the business, they need to realize this. So at that point, they have to ask themselves, okay, do I distribute this independently? Do I go with a major record label? 
uh, how can I best optimize my position? And so that's the best advice I could give to them is just really look, look at the chess game and see where the men are placed and see how you can optimize in winning that chess game. And sometimes it's different for everybody. You know, everybody has their own story to how they got from point A to point B. Um, but uh, the basic templates of what need to be done in that process of getting to, to, from point A to point B are pretty much the same. You just have to have great people representing you. You have to have great music representing you. You have to have a brand that sounds different uh, than anybody else. It's something that people can recognize easily. You know, if, if, if they can listen to your music and name your sound in three notes, you mm-hmm. know you're going down the right path. You right. Know? So that, that's the best advice I can give. You know, and like, don't mimic somebody else. You know, you're not going to be a Rihanna. Right. Be, be yourself. You know, what is, what's your gift? Hone in on your gift and your style and be true to yeah. it, right? Um, and when somebody comes yeah. along and wants to manage you and now they suddenly want to take you out of everything that you are, you know, that's where you've really got to stop and question. Every actor has gone and done a movie for the payday you know, or for the experience right. that they wish that they, you know, could delete from their resume. You're going to go and do something that goes, you know, that was questionable. But that's part of the learning experience. But in the music industry, as you said, you could sign your life away. So I think one of the big things that everybody needs to do is invest in a good lawyer before you sign anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, I tell you, if, if I could turn back the hands of time, uh, I might do it differently, sir, in terms of, you know, managers. And I mean, there's a lot of money that has been spent on managers and, and agents and things like that. And um, if I had it to do all over again, I would look at it a different way. So, but at least now, after all these years, I'm afforded uh, the experience of having gone through that, and yeah. as you describe, as you describe, you know, paying your dues, you know, doing that movie that you just got a paycheck for, you right. know what I'm saying? Versus, you know, for other reasons, and uh, and I can tell young people my story, which will hopefully enhance uh, their musical upbringing. And I think the other thing important, and we see this all the time, you know. Um, people who are gifted in whatever they do, singing, author, music, and it's all about the art, man, and, you know, we don't mix business with it. Well, I'm sorry, that doesn't work today. You have got to get out there and be willing to market yourself and play the network game because whether you've got somebody behind you or not, a big music label, that's what you have to do. So if you're not comfortable talking to people, that's something you need to address right from the word go. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you're literally campaigning for yourself. Yeah. You, you're doing you're doing the same thing that uh, Hillary Clinton did and, and Donald Trump did only months ago. It, you know, they had to get out there with the people and win those votes. And it, it, musically, it's the same thing. You have to, uh, you know, be very prevalent in, in getting your likeness out there and your talent out there and and whatever your brand is and just keep keep plugging away. And I think also by being supportive of other artists around you, you know, on the social medias, you know, congratulations on this. I heard you last night or this, your new album, you know, let your presence be known as supporting other people as well. And then they're more likely to want to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, It isn't about you, you, you. It's about how you fit in to the industry that anybody's going to even want to open the door for you. That's true. And and you make a good point. Um, the one thing I didn't mention is social media, uh, which is a, a a foundation right now in these days and times that you must adhere to, uh, because that that can make and break a career. You know, you you have to have that YouTube channel, that Facebook page, that you know, uh, Twitter page, whatever. And, and uh, I'm extremely interactive um, uh, on social media and uh, on a lot of different levels. You know, trying to plug my music. Uh, talking to music students who want to know, hey, what kind of mouthpiece are you using? What kind of reed? What kind of saxophone? Mm-hmm. How? Do you, what's your, what's your practice regimen? Um, you know, we can reach people that we normally wouldn't be able to reach in a global sense um, if we didn't have Facebook or whatever. So, uh, so I'm I'm very uh, interactive on on social media, and I enjoy it too. It's nice to meet new people yeah. and you know 
let people know, hey, I'm coming to your city next week. Come check out the show. Bring 10 people with you. You know, we're going to be signing CDs after the show. Come get your CD. Buy two or three for friends. All that stuff works. Yes. You know. Well, you know, interaction. You know, people are tired of being spoken at. They want to be spoken with. You know, um, they want yeah. that interaction. They want to be able to put their pennies worth in there. They want to be able to comment on something because you're inviting them to be a part of it. And a lot of people have made the mistake of using social media as an ad campaign. And instead, it should be right. an inspiration campaign. You know, I was inspired right. by this new piece of music I've done. Take a listen to a few bars. What do you think? I'd love to know your reaction. Um, you know, again, following yeah. other people and interacting. But be inspirational and be invitational don't be in people's faces yeah that's perfectly said uh case in point i get a lot of uh social media response from africa uh a lot of musicians who they don't have that three thousand dollars to run to a music store to buy a saxophone and you know they're they're asking me you know you know how can i get a, a decent instrument um that I, you know, I can't afford really, a, a, you know, the top-notch instrument, but how, how can I get a decent instrument? What, what do we do? And then you start thinking about, okay, uh, we need to develop some programs over in Africa so that, so that students can get some of these musical instruments that they want. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's kind of like a, we have a commitment to the world, and yeah. everybody needs to realize that. We, we have to keep this world evolving, and... Um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, and I don't want to get into the whole political thing, but it's just really going to be interesting to see what happens over the next four years. Uh, we're in a different climate now. Uh, the demeanor of people is, is, is going to change, obviously, and, you know, we have to work on a daily basis within that to optimize, uh, you know, the welfare of our own families, respectively, and, you know, uh, and be able to donate something to the world to keep mankind moving forward and uh it's a big responsibility but we still have to do it no matter who uh is in the oval office so i think this is a fantastic (laughs) yeah and and it's a great opportunity right now you know amongst this diversity and um and uncertainty that is out there for musicians to come together in in music and in song and raise up those vibrations and empower the people and give them a platform. Right. You know, my, my song right now for this year is Rise Up by Andrea Day. And it's, it's not rise mm-hmm. up, um, you know, with arms. It's rise, rise up with locked arms. Let's lock arms together no matter who we are. Pi- you know, black, white, pink, right. yank, yellow, polka dot, who cares what your faith or sex or anything is. It's about being a human being. And I mean, music, right. I think, at the present moment has the brilliant opportunity of being that platform and, and to bring people together so we can raise those vibrations up to which the politicians have to rise up to. Right. Absolutely. Uh, as, as we were talking about earlier in the interview, uh, music is going to be that common thread to keep yeah. the sanity of, of folks on all levels, you know, all economic classes. Um, music is it. And uh, this is our opportunity as artists to really bring those records to folks that are going to be life-changing in a positive way. Yes. And um, so I'm, I have my seatbelt on and I'm going for it. Right. Well, we, <laughs> we know the impact of what music can do, how it can change in the entire atmosphere, how it can speak to people's needs. And now it's just turn that volume up. Let's play that music. Let's change that vibration and let's get people grooving um, and dancing together rather than being angry at one another. Exactly. Now, how do people find you and get your latest uh, album, G? And, uh, you know, people want to book you or, or want to know more about you. Where did they discover you? Well, the hub for all of that information, Sarah, is, is on my website at www.geraldalbright.com. Uh, it will... Uh, send you to all of my social media platforms it will send you to my booking agent uh, you can leave emails or, or uh, uh, you know post messages on on the website so that that's kind of like the central hub for everything but of course people can contact me directly on Twitter which my username is GA Albright or just keyword uh, my name into 
uh, Facebook, and all of my pages will come up, and feel free to leave messages there. I'm, I'm very easy to find. Wonderful. Well, this mm-hmm. has been an absolute delight, and I thank you for taking the time to come on and share your journey with us. Um, you know, again, there's something about, I, I can't play an instrument. You know, I would have loved to have been a singer. I would love to have played music. It just was not meant to be for me. But that doesn't mean I don't have a love for it, or that it hasn't meant so much to me in my life. You know, music is, is my, my wind you know, beneath my wings. It guides me, it nurtures me, it heals me, and it lifts me up. And so I'm extremely grateful to the musicians of the world because you bring to us the very substance that keeps us going. So thank you for your lifetime of commitment to music, and may we have many more decades from you. Well, thank you for that uh, that wonderful uh, word and and. As reciprocation, thank you for being a great listener of the music that we give to you, and thank you for being a, such a proponent of music and all of your efforts to help us to get our word out there, both musically and otherwise. We appreciate all your support and all your efforts, Sarah. Thank oh, you very, pleasure. very much. We have to learn to celebrate and support one another. That's the only way we're going to build the strength that we need, you know, the root, the foundation, the, the very building of life. So it's getting out there and celebrating and supporting one another and, um, and just simply enjoying, right? Simplifying life. Just get down and groove, man, and enjoy the music. <laughs> So I'm grooving you. with you. I'm, I'm grooving. With you. <laughs> Good old, you know, but there was something about the 70s on that funky music, you know. <laughs> exactly. It's very exactly. much in the very core of our being, isn't it? And I think everybody could do with a little funky, so <laughs> definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, well, Harold. Real pleasure. My <laughs> pleasure. Have a great day, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see each other soon. Right. And thank you so much. And I, and I look forward to your music being played more often. And, and folks, please share this uh, to any musicians that you know out there. They need to know the information from somebody that's been there, that is still there and is still growing, because that's what music's all about. Thank you, Gerald. And to everyone else, till next time. Very well, man. You're very welcome. And, and also, real quick, let me know if you can open that link. If you can't, then we'll, we'll get the music to you some other way, okay? Excellent. Most certainly. Until next time, folks. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Taking Control by Gerald Albright. Mm-hmm.